We come this morning to look at the idea of God's giant welcome mat. We are certainly going to see that we have a welcoming God who invites people into his kingdom. As uh, we look at our passage today, I want us to first think of telling a story. We're going to use the flashback method of telling the story. And the flashback is whenever you find something happened well long into the story, but you begin at that point. So usually it's whenever you're watching that TV show and your favorite character is in some sort of peril. And then you spend the show watching to find out how the person has ended up in that place. Today, as we think of beginning at the end and using this flashback method, we are going to be looking at the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the hope of a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to be reading for us today from Revelation 21, and I'm going to be beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the older order of things has passed away. If we were to think of the Bible as a story, it would be an epic story. And the thread that would carry that story from beginning to end would be the phrase, I am their God, and they are my people. That's where the story of the Bible begins, with God and people in perfect relationship in the Garden of Eden. But as sin enters the world, that relationship is broken. And those people, right, they no longer think of God as their God. The Bible, though, as this epic tale tells the story of restoration, of when that relationship is put right. And here we are today reading out of Revelation chapter 21, the next to last chapter in the Bible. And we see that this relationship is finally being restored. It is the culminating conclusion of a journey that has taken thousands of years. Let us read with one voice this passage from Revelation 21. Look, God's dwelling is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. If we were to think of the Bible story as uh, this huge epic tale, um, I want us to have a, a little visual of that. And so I've got a rope here that, that's going to kind of help give us an idea of this story moving along. And so I'm, most certainly as I go to work with this rope, I'm pretty sure it's going to get tangled. And, but maybe, maybe it won't today. Maybe it won't. So let's see. I've got 
I've got the beginning over there. There we go. Good, good. Looking good so far. So, if we were to think of the, the Bible story beginning, it begins like if we were to just make a knot here for where the story begins. Right? That's, that's Genesis 1 1, right? You know, God made the heavens and the earth. God, God the creator puts everything in place. And not long into that story, we, we have people being created. And then not too long after that, we have that relationship with God and people being broken. And the story is kind of over there somewhere going along and continues on, continues on. And what we have today in our passage is the very end over here. Well, almost the very end, like almost, just almost to the very end. Uh, it's, it's, it's this idea of God being with people. I am their God, and they are my people. That's how it was at the very beginning, over there. And it's taken this long voyage, this long trip to get here. And if we were to think of the Bible, it moves through many things, but the important point for us as it moves through different events and God's working through people in different ways, is it comes to the cross. And that is really where the story of the Bible changes. With the introduction of Jesus Christ, who is completely God and also completely human. Jesus Christ, who will provide the way to restore that relationship that was broken there and send us on a path to eternally being with our God, if we were to think of the ending of the story, what does that look like? I'm going to give an image for us to work with today. And the ending of the story is God's beautiful city. And in that beautiful city, God is with people. We would see that in Jesus Christ, physically being with us. And this beautiful city is filled with laughter and joy and love. And in this beautiful city, there are some professions we won't see anymore. There's going to be no more doctors, no more nurses, no more police officers. No more locksmiths, no more funeral directors, because in this perfect city, there's no more sin. All has been made right between God and God's people. And in that beautiful city of God, children will roam free, women will walk alone, and men will never grow Restless. As we think of that city, I want us to think of there being walls around. There is a great walled city, and there's only one place to enter. That is at the gate. And what is the gate? Or perhaps I should say, who is the gate into God's beautiful city? It's Jesus Christ, of course. Even as Jesus explains himself in John 10, he says, I am the gate. 
And while Jesus was talking about the, being the gate of the sheepfold, I think the illustration also works here for God's beautiful city. Jesus saying, I am the gate, and all who enter here will find salvation. And God's people, the residents of that city, they are called to serve as gatekeepers. And they stand at the gate, welcoming those who would come to God's beautiful city. But gatekeepers have a challenge. Gatekeepers have a challenge. And the challenge of the gatekeepers, they can become too restrictive. They can also become too lenient. As we look today at the early church, we are going to see that they were people who fell into the first of them. The early church was too restrictive with God's beautiful city because they believed that to enter through the gate of Jesus Christ, you needed to follow the Mosaic law. You needed to follow the law that God gave to his people somewhere along here. And they said to follow Jesus Christ, to come to the cross, first you had to enter the story here. This was a huge challenge for them in understanding how you could indeed enter the gate of God's beautiful city, but not come through the path that leads to the law. And certainly if you were already a follower of Judaism, as the early followers of Jesus Christ were, this was no problem, right? Because this is just who you were. This is the path you walk. You didn't think anything about having to go through the Mosaic law. Because you were already in it. But God confronts the early church. Particularly, specifically, God confronts Peter. Peter, who is this early church pillar, who is the leader of the group, has this great vision where God shows him that the gate, Jesus Christ, is a little bit bigger than maybe they thought. That you didn't have to walk the path of the law to get there. There were other paths to find Jesus Christ. I'm going to read for us today from our second passage. And that is going to be in Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 4. And this is Peter retelling the vision that he had. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from the heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. 
He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Peter here is telling this vision that he has. And in his vision, the sheet is lowered down from heaven. And it is filled with animals that by the Mosaic law are considered to be impure. And then he hears the voice, which he recognizes as the voice of God, saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter is conflicted when he hears this message because he knows in the law he should not do it. But yet this voice from God is telling him to do it. And Peter responds, nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. I haven't done that before. I followed the law. You know that law that you gave to our people? I've done what I'm supposed to do. And then the voice responds, do not call impure what God has made clean. And then to help Peter know that this is indeed a message from God, the experience happens again, and then it is repeated a third time. He receives further verification when three men show up and invite Peter to go with him. Three men who had been sent by this other man who was a part of this story. Further, Peter takes with him six men to help serve as checks on this revelation, this new insight into God's story. And finally, they arrive at their host house. And this man who has sent these messengers to Peter tells this companion story that he has. And they see the working of God at place. And through this story, God directly confronts Peter and more specifically, the early church regarding their restrictive gatekeeping at God's holy city. Because they believed that to go through the gate of Jesus Christ, you needed to walk the path of the law. But God says, no, you don't have it right. Let us read this passage today from Acts 11, 9, together in a one the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. God is saying to Peter and to the early church that they need to see the world as God's it. If we were to look at the early church's big mistake, it's this. They believed there was only one path to God. And in God's beautiful city, there is only one gate, and that is Jesus Christ. But there are many paths to that gate. And the early disciples walked the path of Judaism. But here they learned that there indeed will be other paths. We find that God, indeed, does have a giant welcome mat at his gate to this beautiful city. And there are many paths to that welcome mat. As we think of how this affects us today, we as part of the church 
And as I say this, this, this is the ongoing struggle of the church for generations upon generations. So as I speak, I speak to us now, we're here and now, but this is the same message that could have been given to churches who've gone before us and before us and before us. It is this, the challenge that we face is that we find ourselves championing past rather than championing the gate. In other words, we say, oh, here's this great thing that you can do, and you can learn about God away. You can participate in our church this way. Instead of saying, Jesus Christ, we are bringing you to Jesus Christ. We are bringing you to the gate. However we get there, we will get there. Whatever path we need to walk, let's walk that path. But here within the church, we find ourselves being like, oh, the path that I took? That worked for me. And if it worked for me, then it should work for you. And so we have this temptation. It is, it is, the, human, it is the human condition. Right? It is the nature of people in the church. Is that whatever path we took, then we think others also must take that path. That that path will work. But within the church, we must always be looking to forge new paths. The gate doesn't change, but the new path must. And as we think of this challenge to forge new paths, I want you to be encouraged because in many respects, it's quite liberating. It's quite free because we doesn't mean we have to recreate something that was before. It doesn't mean we have to bring back something that we know that we can't. Instead, this creating of new paths says, hey, how, how are you right now? What are you doing right now? What interests do you have? What abilities do you have? How has God made you? And however God has made you, that has a, we can put paths together. Also, as we, we think of this, my encouragement for you is to be part of the process. Be part of the process of making new paths. Do you have new ideas for our church? Talk to me. Talk to me. And as I thought of things for our church, and we've tried some different things, and we've done some different things, right? some things work, some things have worked less, some things have worked more, but those ideas have never been me sitting in some room and just coming up with an idea all by myself. Never. If I did that, we would have terrible ideas. It's because people have said, hey, what about that? Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, have you considered this? And as we put these ideas together, both me here working on this side and perhaps you in your own life working there, we're able to put together some plans that work. Some things we say, hey, yeah, that was okay. You know, as I'm thinking of that, like I'm, I'm looking at the rope. And um, does anyone know what the rope is from? It, it was the star line for our, our Easter egg hunt. Um, so when we had, and hopefully, you know, you had a chance to see all the, the, the craziness right out on the lawn on Easter morning. Um, and, and we saw people came to church afterwards. And the idea of those came from different things. But one of the, the helpful ideas I heard is, hey, how about having something on Sunday morning that'll bring families here? And, you know, that's the reason we had an Easter egg hunt on Sunday morning. Because someone had, had put the idea out there. 
And I, I'll let you know, right, as you, as you think of churches, churches have Easter egg hunts. Um, people don't come to church from the Easter egg hunt. Um, we, we, we as a church, um, we accomplish something that, that people seldom accomplish as churches. Is we got people from an Easter egg hunt into our service, and they heard about Jesus. Okay? And, and it wasn't one person that made it happen. It wasn't one idea. It was all of us working together, thinking along the ideas of new paths to the gate, new paths to Jesus Christ, new paths for reaching out. And as we think of building these new paths, it's a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle. Have you ever worked on a jigsaw puzzle with a group of people? Each person adds a piece, don't they? I got a piece, you found a piece, and we know the bigger the puzzle, the harder it is, right? But each person provides a little bit along the way. And we know also that as you work with a jigsaw puzzle, what's the worst part? It's the beginning, right? It's the beginning when you have so many pieces. You know, and it kind of picks up speed the more people get going and the more it gets you know, we as a church, right, we've seen, we've seen some optimism, right? We, I see people out there, which is encouraging. But we're at the, still at the kind of the beginning point of that jigsaw puzzle in some way. We're still working, but we're each contributing. And as we each contribute, we see, we see the good that comes from that, right? We see the hope that comes from that. We see the forging of new path to Jesus Christ that our church can be a part of. As we think of... Uh, Peter and the early church. How did they end up making this mistake that you had to go through the law to come to Jesus Christ? The reason is that they did not understand the biblical thread. And that was a legitimate excuse for them. That is not a legitimate excuse for us. And so uh, here is uh, the problem that they ran into is that when they look at God's story with their people, they didn't see it from the very beginning. But they didn't see it from the Garden of Eden and, the, and creation. Instead, they picked up the story somewhere along the way, somewhere about here, and said, oh, it's about being the descendants of Abraham. Because that's the way they had been crafted to believe, is that as descendants of Abraham, God's promises were going to flow through them, which is the absolutely true. It's exactly what does happen. But they began the story in the wrong place. And part of the reason they began the story in the wrong place is because they didn't have an understanding of God's fulfillment here at the... They didn't have an understanding of God's fulfillment here in the beautiful city. They didn't see the story from beginning to end. They simply had a beginning point moving forward. And that's how when they came to the cross of Jesus, they didn't see the fullness of God's story that we find here in this passage. But here as they come to Acts 11, what they find out is that God's story with people begins at creation. And the work of Jesus Christ isn't the fulfillment of a promise to Abraham, although it is that. Its ultimate purpose, the ultimate work of Jesus Christ, is to fix the problem that entered into the world when Abraham 
sorry, entered into the world, when sin entered the world at the Garden of Eden. And we see, as they begin to see the story from beginning to end, they see that God has indeed found a way to restore a broken relationship. To bring about a time when God will say, I am their God, and they are my but as we live here in the story now, we're somewhere along the way. From the cross of Jesus Christ and the work of the church. Somewhere between the cross and the holy city. And as we live and work and go about mission today, we find ourselves with the hope. The hope that God provides for us. That God saying, I will be their God. And they will be my people. And the task that we have before us now is to make as many people as possible. To add to that number. To assist God in that time of indeed growing that city. Brick by brick into a bigger place. To house more people. To house more followers of Jesus Christ. We've seen God does have a big welcome mat. And there are many paths to it. Let us be a church. Let us be a church who is excited to look for the many paths to God. Perhaps you, like me, enjoy a challenge. I think, I think that's why you're here, by the way. I, I think, you know, you, in your heart, in your core, you enjoy a challenge. And the reality is that Coming to church on a Sunday morning in this New England city represents a challenge. Because I, I, tell, I tell you what you saw as you were coming to church. Is you saw people outside enjoying the first warm Sunday that we have had in a very long time. And you saw people recreating and having fun and on walks and out with their dogs. And walking with their neighbors and riding their bikes. You know, and, and I, I wouldn't fault you at all. I wouldn't fault you if you at all, if you ha ha had a certain wanton look and said, oh, I wish that was me. I, right? And maybe you wish that was you, but you're still here. So thank you for coming. And that's why I know that you've got an adventuring spirit. Because you're here this morning. You're here this morning when so many other people chose other things. Right? And God loves them. Absolutely. Right, and it's our job to love them too. So I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're on the adventure with us as we go about seeking new paths to God's beautiful city. Let us take a moment and quietly reflect on today's message.